Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Indeed. And we have our new version of our first company that we bought together, BlinkSale, going live next week. So we've been, when did we bought BlinkSale? We closed the deal. I think we took the business over March 1st. Took over the business, spent about a month or so talking to customers, like sent out a really good email that was like, what's the most annoying thing about Blink Sale? What do you, what is like the most frustrating thing that you experienced? And we got a bunch of really good insights and ideas because and it was funny. None of them really matched our own thoughts as to like what people wanted. Like the biggest one that I thought people were going to ask for is, oh, it'd be great if I could do time tracking on Blink Sale. Mm-hmm. Not a single person asked for that, which I guess makes sense because they wouldn't have signed up for Blink Sale and used it and still be a customer if they needed that because it just didn't do it. Maybe still we had our own backlog and then we got a really good backlog. But the thing that I think we already knew was that it had this weird user interface and it was just kind of odd looking. I'm not really sure if, I don't really know what the backstory was there. But BlinkSale has two versions. And the modern version looked really weird and it has the minority of users, but we want to migrate everybody to that future version. So we wanted to make sure it was right. We wanted to fix the leaky bucket. People signed up, used it, didn't love it, and would essentially churn. And to say that design is the reason is kind of bullshit. Like I don't buy into that too much because I've built, used, and observed ugly apps that are high functioning that you just, you don't really, you don't really care, right? It's, oh, it, it does something indispensable. But in this case, I think we have people, they're sending their invoices to their customers. And for whatever reason, it, it had this strange design, but it also mm-hmm. had a handful of things. I don't know. Do you remember some of the things that we heard back? ACH payments was the other one. It's a lot of little things. It's like quality of life improvements. It's not, some of it was like, it's an ugly app. Some things are confusing. More of it was like, I wish this did this one little thing because I have to do that one little thing like 10 times a day yeah. and it adds up to it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those kind of things that I think that all fell into the redesign and like what we've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. And so we spent last summer building Avocado out a audio-based learning platform. And originally it was a mobile application and we started to build out this web app and started using the, the Tailwind toolkit. So Tailwind CSS or what's also known as Tailwind UI, there's a a UI kit. And so the thinking was, is let's just make this application normal. Like it's so weird, right? It it had this strange (laughs) font. It was optimized for mobile, which is cool. It makes sense. But on desktop, it was, there was this strange concept, like everything had to be in like a foldable container. And it was almost like somebody gave the designer this feedback, like, I want to be able to see things, but hide it. And it just came off funky. Like it just didn't make any sense. Like why would you ever want to hide certain things on an invoice? If you filled out three line items, what would be the reasoning? So there were all these sort of collapsible groups and there was all just strange patterns that I'd never seen in any other application. So our theory was, hey, fix these annoying things. And then also just make the app look normal. Make it look like a web application, make it look great on mobile, make a good experience. Because Functionality-wise, it's a great application. We bought it knowing we have some sort of hair on the tech a little bit, but the new sort of what's considered Blink Cell Next, this new version that had a weird design, it was really well-constructed. It had a full suite of tests running. It's in great shape. 
And so we put a budget together of $25,000. That was the initial budget that we kind of estimated to do a few things, to implement a new design, to, um, I, I think we knew we needed to do ACH. And then also we landed on the idea of having some form of cryptocurrency payment, more so for, in my mind, from a like marketing perspective, like, hey, if we go live with something, wouldn't it be cool to have a feature that's a little bit more relevant to maybe the news and be able to get picked up? Do I know if people will use our, you know, pay with crypto feature? I, I don't. I don't think there's a huge level of adoption among our customers, which are like landscapers, software engineers, you know, it's all across the gamut. So yeah, we put our backlog together, but the big test that was pretty nebulous was just like convert the UI to Tailwind UI, which is a, a kind of a tough thing to give a developer to do. So it was normally, I think we could have done this. So the right way to do it would have been to re-architect the user interface, rebuild it with wireframes, and then rebuild it using like the Tailwind UI component set and then hand it to a developer. But I think that would have blown, spending 25,000, that would have blown the budget out. Like we would have spent closer to that on purely the UI and UX design stuff. So we took a scrappy approach. I guess the, let's pause and talk about, I think one thing would be interesting is like how we source the talent for this. One of the things that I've been hip to or like really planning on using more lately has been Upwork, which I've hated as a platform in the past. It just has the worst developers, scammers, a lot of people that they have a picture of somebody and it's not even them. You get on a phone call and I've been on calls with individuals that are using like voice changing technology. Like you could very clearly tell it was like trying to make their voice higher because the picture was a woman and they're like masquerading as other people. It's just <laughs> goofy stuff. But and I talk about this in your course a little bit of like, how do you sift through all the talent? Because there actually are great developers on Upwork. You just gotta, you gotta find it. It's pretty difficult to sort through. And, and I'm, in my mind, it's, it definitely is all about, it's all about doing a little bit of work with them. I will spare the process of onboarding people, but we found, we knew we need to find a couple of people. We needed one is there's an Ember front end. So we need Ember.js is an esoteric, but powerful JavaScript library or JavaScript framework for serving client-side web applications. There's fair amount of talent out there. The current version of our app, I would say is, was difficult to use. So the project was pretty much stagnant for about a year or two, and it was very slow to, to do development. So that's the thing about this project that presented a challenge is we have a backend, got a front end, we've got enough that like we can get it running and do development on it, but it's pretty slow to do. So we broke up the team into two parts. One, just a front end developer that's an Ember expert and he was based in Russia. He's great. Proved himself to be self-guided. And he was able to, as just a developer, handing him Tailwind and showing him the current UI and explaining, hey, this is our philosophy. He was able to transpose all the, the forms. One of the things upon retrospect that I didn't really want him to do, but he did anyways, is rewrite a lot of the, not rewrite, but improve and modernize all of our forms, which required us to retest and rework how we do it. I mean, it's great because it works now, but it was, it definitely was more time than I wanted to spend, but he kept reporting back and say, Hey, this is done in a way that it's not modern and you're going to have to pay this price eventually. So I figured we, let's pay it now while we're here. And, and the other thing about him is he, he was very affordable, but the downside to his work is he was just very slow. And we had talked about this, I feel like many weeks ago where it's like, Hey, this is going well. It's just 
going really slowly. And I'd rather stay on a course with budget than switch the developers up and then find somebody who, you know, also has idiosyncrasies around getting this done. The, the hardest part of this was to find somebody who I think was a developer comfortable that was working from an existing sort of UI and could transpose it himself. So definitely a lot of risk. And hey, turn this into a pretty web app and asking a developer to do it. It, it seems like a terrible idea, but I, I feel like by me being pretty involved, like I did some of the first screens and showed him like, this is how it should look. And he, he was able to kind of step through that and follow along. And by the way, I don't, I didn't know Ember at the beginning of this. So there was a definitely a steep learning curve. I had to take a course and, and like bone up on it. So why do you think it was slow? Do you think it was more work than we initially anticipated or the developer that we liked just didn't have enough time to dedicate to it? No, he definitely had a, enough time, but it was, I think part of it is, yeah, it was the amount of, there is a definite like 30 hours a week is enough, but I think he took on more scope than we had initially discussed. He's, he did not, like, this was supposed to be more like a visual project and he was like, hey, I can do the visuals, I can do this, but like some of the implicit like d design requirements, for example, you want to make uh, an error message appear a certain way. You may have to change how the form works and you want certain things to behave differently. You've got to change the code. So I think that was a little bit of an oversight of, okay, and not an oversight, like we realized that when it was happening, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you do need to do that. You need to change these inputs and forms. And so we essentially rebuilt the form and sort of component tree around forms for to match and work with Tailwind. And now we have a nice extensible set of tools, but we didn't really get to leverage as much as I was hoping to leverage versus like, I was thinking, hey, this is just a reskin. We're just skinning this. We're not changing any functionality, but it, it ends up that because you want to present a different UI layer, there's actually a behavioral difference. So I think there's that. And then the actual framework was very slow. Like making code changes. And this is uh, something we still suffer from is it's difficult to run the code base. It's not difficult in the, in the sense that like the code's hard to, to read. It's just slow. It's like Ember's doing a lot. We're not on, we're partially on their latest version. We're using the very latest, but a lot of our components were built you know, three, four years ago before that. And supposedly that kind of in, increases the, the build times, which is a pain right? You, don't, you want to be able to make a change, see it happen right away. And, and our application's already, it's not even that big and it's, it, you save and it takes about 45 seconds for the page to kind of, it'll reload and then something's there. So it was uh, definitely a little bit slower than, than we'd like. So what's interesting is like you quoted, we talked about budgeting at the start. We put an extra 50,000 into the business thinking, 25,000 for development of the reskin and new features and 25,000 for marketing. And it came in almost exactly at budget, which I thought was shocking. Maybe it took like twice as long as we initially anticipated, but yeah. budget wise, it was spot on. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time. It's just, you put your finger in the air. It's really hard to, to do that upfront. I'm very good at, at that. <laughs> I've learned how to like ballpark things, but then are we where I was hoping we would be at 25,000? Not really. Like I thought we'd, we'd get more done and accounting for that, it, it has been a lot of the front end and I've spent a lot of my time. So I think the one thing that's not represented here is probably if BlinkSale was my client, I would have probably billed another $30,000 to manage this project and do what I've done. I, I don't know if that, I didn't keep track of my time, but it's like a guess. I'm going to run a hundred hours or 
something like that. So it's, but a lot of that time was just me learning Ember, was me screwing around. I spent a lot of my like weekend time because I enjoy this. This is why I love doing this is like on a Saturday afternoon when my son's taking a nap, it's like I'd, I would spend two hours adding our new charting system, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. And it's so enjoyable. It's literally my hobby. Um, but again, once you get into like the end of the project, it's okay, we got to get everything buttoned together and it's a little more work. But yeah, we came pretty close to to budget. Things always go a little bit over, especially at the end, you realize, oh, we're missing this, that, and the other thing. The breakdown is interesting. It's, I would say about 85%, maybe, yeah, around the majority went to the just the front end and paying for one developer to slowly chug through every single page form. Identi- we didn't really even do a full on, I did a sitemap and kind of identified everything, but there were still a bunch of states and things like invites that they just pop up. Like we think we're done. And then we go to test it. It's like, oh, there's invites. There's this, there's that screen to, to change your business profile. There's a lot of like little nitty gritty things. And really we did tech diligence and it works and it's great. And that's, there's nothing I went back and I'm like, oh, this was not correct. And, and we missed something, but it was more so it's, oh, this thing actually does a lot more than I initially thought. I thought it was a fairly simple app, which it is, but it's brilliantly big props to the the developers that we took this over from. They really thought through a lot of this and laid some great found work for us to follow, which is an awesome feeling, right? It's like, yes, we're, we don't have to rework everything. And then there was the other side. We have the, the server side of things where we had to add functionality. So ACH payments, Coinbase. So we were integrating Coinbase Commerce as a payment method. There's a lot of cleanup there that we did to just make it, hey, if we want to also add another one, it's going to be pretty straightforward on both the front end and the back end. And that was the work that I focused on because this is where like we had Rails developers and we had Ember developers, but there was nobody who could do both. And that's generally where I'll play. And so I had them help me. And one of the things I found with these Rails developers, Rails developers in, on Upwork is that they are like adamant, and, and this isn't specific to Rails developers, but just some developers on Upwork are adamant about manually entering their time, which is such a red flag. And what I ran into with three individuals is they would put in their time at you know midnight or 11.59 on Sunday. like And that apparently is when Upwork, or at least with my settings, that's when like billing the day, the weekends, and I have no opportunity. I can raise a flag and say, hey, this isn't what, I, I didn't get what I paid for here. But that, I got hip to that. And I, what I, I ended up holding these developers kind of hostage. Like I, I figured out, hey, you guys are doing this. I checked your commits. There's no way this took 10 hours. There's no way this took five hours. Like they were just padding things. And it's always a couple of things. Number one, the commits don't line up. Like it's something really simple that should at most take an hour and it's taking five. And then it's exactly five hours. They're not saying it's, it took 4.9 hours. It's just such a red flag. Okay, you're just putting in what you want to get paid for this after the fact, and I'm getting stuck with a bill. And so I put both of the developers that were doing this on pause and I just kind of asked them point blank. I was like, hey, you're doing great work. We're really happy with you, but this is taking a long time. And they both immediately were like, hey, I'll do anything, anything to make you happy. We'll make it right. And we found a good resolution, but it was funny. I guess the dollar amount, the hourly rate was so low or whatever that they just assumed when no one was caring and no one was really paying attention. What do you think happened there? Do you think they lowballed you initially to get the job thinking they they can make it up in volume later? 
Yeah, I think the rates are, both these individuals were in Pakistan and, and they were great developers. And I think the other part is they throw their junior developers on it. They have, they're running and representing themselves, doing the interviews, doing the first work, uh, first two weeks of work. And then you assign tickets back to them and commits with other names. And you're like, wait, because on it, it, it all gets obfuscated where you can add them and they're, they end up being a GitHub organization. And so I, I learned about this whole world of the diminishing returns that you start getting. It's, hey, this isn't working. Number one, your commit is full of errors and I'm doing code review. So I'm like testing it locally, running it. It's not working and the code, it doesn't follow the existing patterns. And so it's, okay, what's going on here? It just took a, a major turn south. But that was probably the only time I was frustrated with Upwork. What was these guys are trying to exploit this. They're assuming I'm not technical. They're assuming that I'm just going to go on autopilot and another, what's another 600 bucks a week, but it all adds up. So it was funny that manual time entry scamming seems to be part of the repertoire or at least just hanging on. And maybe they think of it as like, hey, if you want me to stay on a project, it's going to cost you. But <coughs> excuse me. One of the things I would say is keeping them honest, keeping projects short, anything, a lot of the time delay was my fault where it's, I would have them do the work and then it would take me a week or two before I could review the uh, results of it. But I think the, the review system there is just, they're so afraid of getting a negative review because it'll impact all their future projects. So I was just going to put these on pause and just said, Hey, like really not seeing the value that I was like, what's going on. And just demanded that I, I work with the principals. And then it all fixed itself, which was good to know. And I don't know. I'm a little paranoid with that kind of stuff, though. But at, at the same time, like, that's what Upwork is. It's just people that are maybe bidding lower rates and trying to make it up on, on the hours. So we also tried doing some stuff off Upwork. We are talking to some agencies. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, that sucked. That wasn't great. <laughs> That was, uh, we were trying to, so I've had a lot of success in the past with individuals. As, as I said, I'm like technical, I can work, working with a project manager from an agency. It was like, let me just like point you to code. And it was just extra fluff. But I was on a project before we bought Blink. So I was working on a consulting project for a former portfolio company and they had hired a agency out of South America. And so we went down that route and they like couldn't, their thing, they just didn't have availability. And it was like, they could give us 10 hours a week, which like for some people that might, if it's like somebody senior, it'd be great. But we ended up blowing, I think like a month, you know, on 10 hours a week. And we didn't really, I don't even know if they even billed us for it because it was like so minimal, but they didn't even get a chance to ramp up on the project. It was like, just, they would do a couple hours here. And then they're like, I'm reading the code and, I'll, and there's just nothing meaningful. So I was really happy with being able to just get people onboarded. And again, if you want tips on how to do this, it's in Colin's course, put a backlog together and, and run that process through Upwork. And it's actually been really good. And I would say, I don't know if I put this in the course material, but my new thing on Upwork is you got to put jokes in your questions. My favorite question, I don't know if I did mention this, of course, my favorite question to do now is tell me how you'd build the most overbuilt blog. Like what's the most overly complicated blog, you, you know, setup you can think of like to build something stupid. And all the kind of stuff that you want to avoid on Upwork, the people that are trying to scam you, like you'll find all the authentic people because they'll actually give you a, a funny response back. And all the other people will just say yes to that. They'll just say yes or something that makes no sense. And it, it really filters all the, the people back to the top. 
Yeah. I always make people jump through hoops, start the email with purple, and then you could mm. knock out every cover letter that doesn't say purple at the top. And it saves you a lot of time because it's yes. 90% of the people that just don't read through anything. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. So just, and having something funny to see if somebody, sense of humor is really important to me for just understanding if someone's going to be easy to work with or not. All in all, we've, we're releasing this on Wednesday. And um, so by the time this airs, it'll probably be live. And I think our customers are going to be thrilled. I think it gives us the ability to make sure we can, you know, push forward on, on marketing. Cause before I, I just feel like we'd have a really leaky bucket. Yeah. For sure. It's exciting. This is, you know, finally ready to go. It'll be good. I know it's taken forever. It's taken forever. And I'm really excited about keeping going on it. There's so many more features that we want to do. There's so many more things that we can do. I think part of this is like, I knew what was going to happen is I didn't know anything about like how we were going to exactly develop. And now it's, I know this system inside and out, and that's just kind of the process that you have to go through. It's, I just have to get my hands dirty on this stuff. I can't just read the code and be like, well, yeah, this is a, there's a stack and it has these objects. It's, you know, you really have to see how it gets used. And then furthermore, how your, your customers use it, which is great. Cause we do have such a, a large customer base to, to pull from and see, okay, how does this, how will this customer experience the new design? How, you know, we, we just test with simple data, but if you have somebody who's been at it for a couple of years, they've got a couple hundred customers, they have thousands of invoices. It's great to see. And I, I think that was like the chief complaint is, hey, this thing's weird. Like it's showing things in a way that from a business perspective, make little to no sense. Yeah. And I think most people, when they hear that, it's like, it's not like we needed to add little flourishes, like this uh, nice little animation. It was like, it was hard to do basic things because things are so hidden where you'd have to look through help docs or something to add a number where you'd think it would just be easy and straightforward. I think we still have about two or three things that are in our backlog that are really huge questions and they come down to like invoice IDs. Like the existing setup is goofy and people use invoice IDs like the number one and two and that's what the developers like thought that people would do. But then you actually look at what people use and they write like invoice for the week of three, five to three twenty one, And it's, oh, I got to have strings in here. I've got to have letters and numbers. And like, do they have, they, they should probably be unique. Can I reuse it? So a lot of that is funky and, and needs to be worked out. And, but I love the idea of being able to expand it and, and keep going with it. Uh, yeah. So like along those lines, do you have any idea for what should be next or what you want to do next? Yeah, I think time tracking makes a ton of sense. It's a huge move because then you have to have the idea of we have to get a little clearer on employees and then also the concept of projects, like having a project in-house that is not yet, we have an invoice for it, but we're tracking time against it. Additional payment methods. I think I love doing the Coinbase integration was a good way of, it was eye-opening to see, hey, I can transfer $20,000 for almost, for basically for free using like a stable coin. If you were to use Ethereum, it definitely wouldn't be great, but paying people with digital currency and having a way that they can pay with that is, is pretty awesome. So going down that route is really interesting. Continuing with more, more charting and graphing. And I think the next big thing that I think we have to do because it's on the old version is customizable invoice templates, which I'm excited because it's like we did clean up a lot of that code so we can make those changes moving forward. kind of know this system a lot better now. That one's kind of a fun throwback because that's what Blinksale was known for initially 10, 15 years ago is like that design oriented invoicing app and people love those templates. Um, so it'd be cool to return to. And then 
time tracking, I love because then you can charge like per seat and you have a natural seat expansion where all yeah. your existing accounts should probably grow over time. So that's really nice for revenue. And then I, this DeFi connection and crypto connection, I think is fascinating as a way to, someone has to be the beautiful layer on top of how this messy DeFi stuff, like deliver all the benefits. I don't know if it's going to be us or whether it's even legal really right now. If you're just in this weird gray area and you may just get slammed down by the government at some point. I do love the idea of potentially offering banking services because I think a lot of these uh, businesses are underbanked. Like you can see, for example, we've got a bunch of makeup artists. We have a bunch of folks that they do services and maybe this is a side business, but it's enough revenue where it's like, hey, there's there are opportunities here that we could clear payments or whatever. It opens up kind of Pandora's box, but I like the idea of looking at banking or maybe some of these more traditional financial services that big businesses can take care of that you might be able to, to leverage based on this is how you're getting your cash. For sure. Yeah. It's a super interesting entry point to like B2B payments. And we touch, I don't know, with people's customers, 10,000 small businesses, like it's not a small amount. Yeah. I think like Going back to the initial goal here, it's make something pretty, make something that makes sense, and then make something that has some additional features that I think people have been looking for. We've definitely checked all those boxes. I'm excited to promote and see what it's going to look like if it truly is, if we don't have a leaky bucket. I'm, I'm pretty confident that people are going to really enjoy. I'm always super duper sensitive about disrupting as we push this update, disrupting our users' sort of normal day-to-day operations, right? It's, it's going to change. There are people going to wake up, log into Blink Sale, and then now it's different. And it's sure we could roll that out like Facebook, but we've decided, hey, let's just get it to them because I think everyone's going to be pretty excited. It's just such a weird app currently that uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll be in a good spot. Yeah, it's coming next week. It should be probably a couple of days after this podcast goes live. So I'll link out to So that. should we then, I think we then need to, to start going back to looking at migrating people. Because mm-hmm. that's we suspended that for a minute because it's like we don't want to migrate people to the old version and then change it to them or change it to the new version on them. So we'll pick that back up. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that in some previous episodes. Anything else you want to cover? No, it's been going well, right? Like it's been a long process and it's been a lot of work, but it certainly has been fun. This is like what I enjoy the most, especially it being somewhat visual. It's making something a lot more elegant. That that makes me one other like quick shout out. You did a very well received lecture in my course at indp.com <laughs> of a step by step yeah how you do this. So people really like that. That was really good. So good. Yeah, I that. mean that that is definitely years of figuring out what is the best way to just onboard somebody. It's so hard. These upworkers are crazy. I'm learning more and more about it, but there's like a whole Ukrainian contingency of really smart developers. I'm sure, but they just say yes to everything. You send them like a spec. And it has more questions than answers. And they're like, yes, I can absolutely do this. I can start tomorrow and I will probably be done next week. And you're like, there's no way in hell. If you are non-technical, that's exactly what you want to hear. And then you are in their trap because they've already, you've already spent some money with them and you don't want to sacrifice it. So I don't know. It's a dangerous spot. I would say I have tried TopTal and that was weird and wild, but they definitely have good developers. But again, it's the same thing. Like you have to work with these people to understand what you're getting. And it's all across the board. I mean, someone can just, I think they do a lot more vetting, but it, it almost isn't even about that. It's just like, how well are they going to work with you? 
So the one we talked about, I don't think we ever tried Andala, where it's like all these supposedly really highly rated African developers. Did you ever do that one? I've heard of Andela. Is that the same one? Andela. Andela, yeah. So they, yes, I have tried that. And the, I believe that is the initial developer that built the Ember front end in BlinkSale was from Andela. And huh. he did a wonderful job. So picking it. Meanwhile, our developers telling, hey, we got to change the way it works. It's not to any fault of his own. It's just a different set of visual requirements. But I reached out to them for this project and they said they, they really don't do, if you want to hire one person, they're not interested. If you want to hire a team, they are. So if you want to five people, maybe we could have gone that route, but I've heard really good things. But I think yeah, they're going of, up market. I think it was Gumroad maybe where they fired, mostly fired their team and they just moved everyone to Andela. And that was their team for a while before they start rebuilding their team out again. I think some startups do it where it's almost all the developers are from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. What is next for Blink Sales? So we launched this, we changed it, and then we've got a new version. Then I think what's the marketing plan? What's next? Invest more. So we've been doing blog posts. So ramping that up, trying to get the SEO going and then testing ad. And it was definitely like, I didn't want to try to burn money on ads then. But now if we prove this you know, works, people like it, really doubling down on that and testing right it. On. Affiliate, I think we should do affiliate was another big one. I don't know. I have a huge list, like a bunch of Trello stuff that's just been in waiting to start nice. implementing. We're finally so, here. Yeah, we are here. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to get more people in the door. What am I going to do on my Saturdays now that this is done? Uh, we're working on some new acquisitions. So there you go. Yeah. And do <laughs> that will be a... Uh, yeah, that'll be your problem to deal with then. Awesome. Looking forward to it. I, I think that's pretty much it. This has been, I don't know, a couple months, right? It's definitely, it strikes me, and I was saying this when we were halfway through it, this is definitely the longest project I've ever run for what it is. It's just gone really slowly, but it was, I feel like for the first time ever, it was like, there's really no rush per se. We There's always a rush. There's always urgency. When I ran and when I've done a lot of other projects, there's always like some artificial date that you actually do end up wasting quite a bit trying to get to certain dates and you create tech debt. And we haven't stacked, we've paid, done nothing but pay tech debt and improve the system. So I do feel really good about the project and just, it makes me feel weird that it took so long. It feels like we did something wrong, but that would be the only thing had I done it over maybe a different front end developer. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. That's kind of all I got. Take care, cool. everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening.